Welcome to Great Points, financial insights for improving your relationship with money. I'm Matt Schroeder, Certified Financial Planner and Director of Financial Planning at Great Point Wealth Advisors, a fee-only registered investment advisory firm with offices in Boston and Danvers, Massachusetts. Welcome back to another episode of the DEFs of Financial Planning. Yes, DEFs, you've heard people talk about the ABCs over and over and over again, but this episode is really designed for slightly more complex situations where you already have a a good basis in your financial plan, but something unique happens and you're trying to think about the best option for you. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the scenario where you happen to inherit a home or part of a home uh, due to an estate plan or a death of a loved one, but you already own your own home. So what do you do with this, this new asset? Now, I tend to come across this situation most in uh, single-child households. So if you're a single child and your parents pass away, you're essentially going to inherit the house that they live in uh, at their passing. We also find it occurring in families that, uh, or adults that did not have children. So their houses are being left or their estates being left to nieces, nephews. And you know, if they're older, you, most of the nieces and nephews may already own a home. So that maybe you know, as they're splitting up the assets, they have to decide what they want to do with uh, the aunt's or the uncle's home, uh, whether to keep it or to sell it. Now, unlike a stock portfolio, a home can be a little bit of a trickier asset. Uh, you have to you know, understand what the market is and where that asset's being held. You have to know whether or not there's a mortgage on that property or a possible lien for tax purposes or health-related costs or an unpaid bill or a debt debtor that, uh, that that family member had. And houses, unlike stocks, uh, can tend to be a little bit more emotional. So if it was your favorite aunt or uncle who passed away and you have fond memories of you know, visiting them for holidays or playing in their backyard as a child, it may be more challenging for you to just kind of put the for sale sign in the ground and say, ah, it's money's money and this is what I'm going to do. Uh, so sometimes there's that temptation to want to preserve family legacies or preserve that asset or, you know, keep it as a, uh, a memento. Um, but, you know, when you think about uh, it as an asset, it can be an expensive memento between repairs, upkeep, uh, you know, if you're thinking about renting it, the, the tenant hassles. So today's episode, we're going to talk about kind of your options, you know, how to think about it from a logical standpoint, how to allow the right level of emotion to be factored into your decision, and ultimately, you know, come up with the right decision for you. You know, because you've heard me say this quite a bit, uh, you know, there's not a right choice for everybody, but there is a right choice for you. So if you do find yourself in this unique situation, you know, the first thing you need to do is kind of assess the facts. Um, you kind of look at, first of all, what the value of the home is on the open market. And a simple example of this is just going to Zillow and typing in the address and seeing what the, the computer tells you. A more detailed analysis might be getting a, a valuation done by a real estate agent or a, an appraiser. Um, but those come with sometimes expenses. So, you know, I usually I recommend people taking the Zillow value to start their planning and then moving on from there. Second thing you're going to want to know if there's a mortgage on the property. So, you know, do you owe the bank and, you know, what's their expectations on continuing to make payments while you're trying to decide what you're going to do? Or are they looking to call the loan and, you know, looking for repayment within a certain number of months? You want to take a, an assessment of the property. So if you look at the condition of the home, is it in, you know, great condition or are there some repairs that are needed? So if you were to sell it, you know, is the, is the roof leaking or is the heating system old? You know, is there lead paint? Is there, uh, you know, renovations that have been pushed off for, for a while? So all these, uh, you know, factor points are going to help you make the right decision in how you treat that asset. 
for the purpose of uh, today's discussion, we're going to assume you're the only owner or the only inheritant of this home, and you're not having to split it with siblings or other cousins, because um, that creates a whole nother uh, episode of how you go about financing and splitting up a, an asset that um, you know is a is a single investment. You know, like I said, if it was a stock portfolio, you could each take ten shares of the stock, but you can't each take ten percent of a home. Either it's an all or nothing type of thing. So once you've done your homework and you've assessed, you know, the home value, any debts on the properties, you know, possible renovation costs, you know, making sure the home has a clear title, which is usually involves working with the attorney to to make sure the probate process is started, you ultimately are going to be left with three decisions or three choices. The first one is do I sell the home? And we'll talk a little bit about what might be in helping you make that decision. Your second choice is you might say, oh, I want to keep the home and treat it as a rental property. And we'll talk through a little about what the, the pros and cons there are. And the third option is you might like the house more than your current house. So you might make the decision to sell your home and make that uh, home you've inherited your primary residence. So in most situations, usually the first choice or the most obvious choice is to sell the home. You already have a home you're living in. You like where you are. You like your neighborhood. Um, this extra asset is not something you want to get into the real estate market with or I mean, being a landlord. So you decide you're going to sell the home. So a couple of things you have to think about. Um, you know, First and foremost, with where the tax laws are right now, if you've inherited that home and it was in uh, the decedent's name or in a revocable trust, you're most likely going to get what's called a step up in basis. So if your aunt or uncle or parents had bought that house for $100,000 in the 1970s and now has a Zillow value of six dollars or $700,000, if you inherit the home at their death and then sell the home for that six dollars or $700,000, you don't have to pay taxes on the gain back to the 100000 number. Um, you know, there's caveats to that. If the home was ho held in some form of revoc irrevocable trust or if it was gifted to you prior to death. So you want to understand what your cost basis in the home is and if there's going to be any tax ramifications on the sale of that house. The second thing you're going to have to decide is, do I sell the house as is or do I want to invest some money to fix it up to possibly get a higher sticker price? And, you know, this, this is a tricky one, you know, because if you spend twenty or $30,000 to upgrade or fix a kitchen or bathroom, you might get a listing price of thirty dollars or $40,000 more, or the home might sell a little bit quicker. Um, but there's that risk that the investment you make into it doesn't return the same on the sale price or the value. You also have to determine, you know, your available cash. So if you want to put some money into the home, but you don't have $50,000 of cash lying around to do the renovations... Most banks are not going to give you a loan against a home that is owned by an estate that hasn't been transferred, that you know, it doesn't have a clear tenant in there. So you know, sometimes financing those projects can be a little bit tricky. So you want to make the decision of you know, how much can I invest into the property and is it going to return money uh, and how quickly I can get it back on the market. If you're the type of individual that's handy or may have some time on your hands to put a little sweat equity into the home, you know, it might be worth spending three to six months improving or fixing up some of the cosmetic issues to try to yield a higher sticker price. You want to kind of work with a real estate agent or someone you trust to you know, assess the, the benefits of the current real estate market and kind of seizing the opportunity to sell now versus waiting three to six months. And, you know, do I expect a higher price or possibly a softening in the market? So, like I said, stocks and bonds are a little easier when it comes to liquidation strategies. Uh, real estate tends to be a little more emotional and trying to time the market and understand all the factors can get tricky. Um, but typically, if you were to sell the home, 
that usually gives you an opportunity to, to take the, the proceeds from that sale and then decide how you want to invest them for the rest of your plan. Whether you use that money to pay down debt on your own home or use that money to invest for your retirement or help finance your own child's education. You know, what you spend it on will also be a factor of your decision on how to treat this asset. Option two, and like I said, a common thought process that a lot of people I speak with have is, well, what if we just kept the house and we rented it? So, you know, you're inheriting this house and usually this uh, option is if the house doesn't have a mortgage on it. So if it was paid off at death and you're inheriting a three or four or five hundred thousand dollar house and you look at the current market and say, well, we could get three thousand, twenty five hundred a month for renting it. Um, I know we could sell it, but you know, what are we going to do with the proceeds? You know, what if the housing market you know, goes up higher? We can sell it later for more money. So we'd love to have that extra income stream now, um, either to help us in our retirement or help you know, offset a college bill or whatever you're, you're using that money for. Um, and if you're in the financial aid world or you're putting your own kids through college, you may or may not want to have an extra four or 500000 of cash sitting in your checking or investment accounts for colleges to, to do determine that you, uh, you don't get any financial aid. So like I said, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, but the biggest thing we really talk about in, in this situation is the land being a, land, uh, um, a landlord. So for some people, it fits well into their personality. Um, but you have to understand what the, the real estate laws are, are around landlords in the state that you live in. So in some states, they're a little more friendly towards the, the property owner. So it's a little easier to deal with difficult tenants. Um, other states, they're more defensive for the, the tenant. So, you know, they fail to pay rent or they're, uh, they're having a financial issue. Sometimes it's hard to get that tenant to, to make a change or to force them to, to, to move or to pay rent. Um, you also have to think about the upkeep and the maintenance. So if you're a landlord or if you're a rental owner and something breaks, you have to fix it. If the boiler goes and you have to spend $10,000 to fix it so your tenants have heat, um, you don't get three to six months to decide if you're going to do that. That has to get done. Um, so you know, when you think about the rental market, sometimes the return on cash flow from what you're getting in that rental income could be better than what you could earn in the markets and in other places. And it could be a good supplement for you know, a, a retirement income strategy. But you just have to make sure that you know if something were to break, you've got some money aside to, to fix it, and you're starting to build a reserve account for capital expenses or improvements. Um, you also you know have to really truly assess your personal ability to be that landlord because um, you know not everybody has the emotional uh, wherewithal to to deal with other people's challenges and you know having to constantly if a, if a tenant leaves, having to clean the property out to rent it out every three every you know two to three years. Uh, it can can be a burden. So, you know, depending on how much personal energy you have and emotional energy you have, you know, you might decide to keep it and rent it, knowing that at any point down the road, you can always sell it and you probably won't lose money on the real estate investment. Um, or you can, you know, like I said, hang on to it for a long-term uh, real rental investment property. And it might be the catalyst to say, well, if I, if I like renting property like this, maybe now I can take that property and I can leverage it, which means borrow against that property to buy other rental properties and start to build up a little bit of a rental income stream. So your final option, and probably the least likely, but you know that aunt or uncle's house might be in a better school district, or it might be in a better neighborhood, or it might be closer to the beach than your house. And you might say, you know what, I would uh, rather live there than in my house. So I'm going to actually keep that house and sell mine. So you know this sometimes, like I said, if there's no mortgage on that other property, 
you essentially could list your house for sale. And similar to the decisions you have to make about the other property around do we just sell it as is or do we fix it up and improve it, um, all these things are gonna factor into the, the best way to leverage your home as an asset. The other things that you have to think about, and I've talked about this in past episodes, is some of the hidden costs of moving. So yes, you're getting out of your house, you're paying off your mortgage, you're gonna now move into a house that you may or may not have any debt on. Um, but you know, moving trucks cost money. You know, once you get into the new house, there's probably going to be paints and blinds and things you want to fix up. You, your furniture might not fit the exact same way as it does. So you know, even though you're you're inheriting this asset and you're getting into a new home, so to speak, um, there's probably going to be anywhere from ten to fifty thousand dollars of expenses that will come up during that move. Um, that are just are just that they're expenses. They're not going to be really investments in the property. They're just the cost of moving or changing your home. The benefit of this is you sell your home, you're now essentially debt-free because when you sell your home, you have to pay off your remaining balance of your mortgage. You move into this new home that there's no debt. Um, so you're essentially you know, living, the only thing you're really paying is the real estate taxes and the homeowner's insurance and basic maintenance on the property, um, which could feel great from a cash flow standpoint. Uh, the only thing I, I warn clients about in this scenario is that Sometimes you have a house that's all paid off. Um, it feels great, but then when you look at your checking your savings account or your liquid funds, not counting your IRA or retirement accounts, you don't feel like you have a lot of money sitting around um, because all the money is tied up in your home. So during this transition, if you were thinking about uh, taking a mortgage out on the new property, this might be the right time to do it. So essentially kind of buying the home from the estate because um, banks tend to like to give mortgages when you're occupying the home. But once you're in the home, sometimes getting a refinance might have a different fee structure, might have a different rate structure, might come with a little bit harder qualification issues. So um, if you are deciding to sell your home and move into the house before you just move in debt free, you might decide whether or not you want to carry a small mortgage and keep some of that money liquid for you know, investing in other things or for travel or for, you know, supplementing your lifestyle. So, you know, as, as I mentioned uh, early, this is falls more into the DES of financial planning. So you've already had your ABCs, you've built your solid base. Now, you know, things are popping up that don't fit into any bucket or don't fit into this, uh, you know, easy decision making process. So you really have to do some critical thinking about what's important to you and how these dollars would best serve you in today and really into the future to really make the right decision for you and your family. You know, because when it comes to situations like this, there's, there's never a right choice for everybody, but there's always a right choice for you. Now, I hope you can apply some of what you heard today to improve your relationship with money. And thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'm Great Points with Matt Schroeder. Great Points is hosted by Matt Schroeder. Great Point Wealth Advisors is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Great Point Wealth Advisors does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through Great Points. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.